0: This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango. We're going to have to start getting you man in here to do like a like a lineup like a <laughs> like, like, like the Cardinals. All right, so we're going to talk about plenty of Blues hockey. We got tons to talk about. I have no idea why this amuses me so much. It should not, it's really not that funny, but to me it's super funny. So, um, there was an arrest this week in the long ago shooting of Tupac Shakur in Las Vegas, okay? And so, long story short, big fight there at the casino that night between somebody's cousin and Tupac these four dudes get into an SUV, pull up next to Suge and Tupac, boom, 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 boom. Tupac dies a week later. So it comes to find out that the reason that they reopened the investigation into this guy that was in the car when Tupac got killed was because... He talked about it in a book that he wrote. <laughs> Come on.
1: I did not know that.
0: About being in the car, about handing his, I believe, his nephew or his cousin the gun to shoot Tupac. And he talked about it in a book. And I also believe he talked about it on a podcast.
1: Oh my God. People can't help themselves, Donnie. They can't. That's exact the police know. That, like, for all these cold case, like, whatever, maybe not serial killers, because that's obviously a little different, a little yeah. darker, but for any murder that happens, at some point, like, people can't help themselves. They have a few too many cocktails, they start bragging about it or talking about it, or somebody brings up something that they think is really neat or cool, or, and then, they, oh, no, I got a better one for you. <laughs> it's inevitable. People end up talking. Dude, and, and, like, the thing, too, is this man is
0: 60 years old. So I guess when he did when like when this first came to light or when he first like kind of came public with this, it was about four or five years ago. And so I'm thinking to myself, dude, you made it this long. Like, how in the world? And so like every time that I see that story or I see him in cuffs, I just I
1: chuckle. I'm like, what what in a book, man? A dude, book. People can't help it. People want the notoriety. Yeah, this guy finally probably got to a spot where he's like, you know what? I'm the freaking guy who shot Tupac. Like, why? Like, I'm pretty gangster. Right. The world needs to know that they shouldn't mess with me. Right. People start to believe that crap. So he starts talking in a podcast or writing it in a book. And then, (laughs) because he's the man. I guess the book sold very well. The I Las sure Vegas, could. the Las Vegas Police
0: Department, absolutely bought a copy. So that's so that just to me was one of the funnier stories that that I saw this week. I was at the Enterprise Center yesterday uh, for the uh, the media day, and uh, you know they're talking about the upcoming season, getting us excited, that sort of thing. Kind of essentially, sort of telling us what they want us to talk about, that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I, th- they had all of the St. Louis food vendors there. Steve's Hot Dogs, High Point. I mean, everything that they serve there. I ate my ass off.
1: Yeah, you did. I didn't
0: even eat dinner last night. I was just so stinking still full from that yesterday. And I love that it's that way. And I know that it's probably like that in other arenas. But I just think it's so cool, man, when you can look forward. I'm already looking forward to going and seeing the Blues. But then knowing that I can shove three Mission Tacos in my mouth during the first period. Dude yes. that's amazing man. Mission Taco and a little bit of hot water right now. I saw that too man. I think it's a reach man. I kind <sighs> of think that I mean I kind of think that it is as well. But also even in saying that I am a dude
1: I love that place. Oh I love Mission Taco. Dude. No I mean Ashley and I go there once every couple weeks. We love Mexican food. Mm-hmm, so yeah. i tell telling you what, at least once a week we're eating Mexican. Food. Yeah yeah. And Mission Taco is one of our spots. Yeah, man. We go in there. I I love to get the deep fried fish taco Mm -hmm. with all the fresh little veggies on it. I mean, I crush that thing. Dude, let me tell you something. That, and I don't know
0: if it's the spicy chorizo or or, or there is some version of a chorizo taco. I would trade one of my kids (laughs) for all of those things right Uh now. You know this is on, right? I do. (laughs) I I do, and they they wouldn't care. Oh, that's just dad being funny again, or at least trying
1: to be. But But, no, I love that place. uh, These lawsuits Yeah, how is that going to work out? So here's what they're they're claiming. Mission, the tortilla company, which we all know, I mean, Mission. I think everybody in the world buys Mission Tortillas for the most part, sure, or has at one point. They're claiming that Mission Taco used their name in order to pump their business up. Meanwhile, Mission Taco doesn't use any of Mission Tortillas' products. Right. So I don't know. It's a stretch. To me, it's one company that's really big going after a company that's not very big and trying to push them around and get some financial restitution for it. Right. Which is silly because Mission Taco, I don't even think it's based off of the mission. I think it's I think it's actually based off of a religious thing, like the mission. Sure. And they call it Mission Taco. So, but lawyers right now are going to get paid a lot of money to argue back and forth. And uh, it's really kind of irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, well, and just like
0: it's just a lot of money to be spent for like something that just seems so freaking silly. But it's not my business, so I guess mission it's easier. Mission Tortilla for me to say.
1: better guarantee me one thing: don't you dare make my Mission Taco go out of business. Oh, dude! Like if you have to have to change their name to something different called the Mission Taco or something like that, whatever. I can handle that. Mm -hmm. But if they start closing doors on restaurants because the legal fees and the restitution that's owed, I'm going to snap.
0: I I will not be happy. I will not be eating any Mission Tortillas ever again. I love the Kirkwood location because they've got got a game room in there as well.
1: Oh, the streets of St. Charles, same thing. So they have the full arcade. Like a bunch of games. Yeah. Ski ball, everything. It's great.
0: Dude, we were there. We were there. I, I don't know how many times ago with the kiddos. And uh, we're playing whatever it is that we're playing. And all of a sudden, these little kids g- and start running on the ski ball machine. Well, yeah. Like running on it. Mm-hmm. And their parents are watching them run on the ski ball machine. Oh, yeah. And Dexter says something to the effect of like, we would never do that, and I was like, "No, you guys, you guys wouldn't. You possess much more common sense than these it, these if people." You don't, I do, <laughs> right, <laughs> dude, dude? Absolutely. So, all right. So we're just—I mean, we're less than a week away from Blues hockey. I can tell that we are right on the cusp because my stomach goes from "Oh, we're gonna be really good" to "Oh my God, if what is the is the athletic correct? Are we gonna be the 26th best team in the league?" Oh, up and man. down, and up and down, and up and down, and up and down. But but in looking at this team man, I cannot help but be optimistic, excited. Yep. I don't necessarily think that this is a Stanley Cup year by any stretch of the imagination, but I think
1: that this is a I think that this is a good team. It is a real good team. Let's go back to 2018-2019. Mhm. Army did a great job. He went and got Ryan O'Reilly, brought David Perron back, Tyler Bozak. There you go, right? And Pat Maroon was mm-hmm. your late off-season addition. Mhm. Was that team did that team wow you on paper uh well I don't know about wow but I thought that they would be very good
0: so when they were struggling it well, was go back
1: oh even the start of the season before right. the puck has even been dropped yet yes I thought did, they were going to be good did you think they were going to be a Stanley Cup contender looking at some of the other teams on paper at that point no man. okay no so I'm not comparing this year's team to 2018 nineteen. But what I am comparing is the fact that this team, the makeup of this team, is very similar. There is a lot of blue-collar hockey players on Mm -hmm. this team. And when you go back to 2018-19, I would argue the only guy that was not truly a blue-collar type player was Vladimir Tarasenko. Mm -hmm. Because Ryan O'Reilly was, Perron, Bozak, Shen, Barbashev, like they were all lunch pail guys. Dude, that team beat, (laughs) wore people down with, with, with the way that they were. Now they had some bigger guys on defense. You know, some all-world talent on defense. So there's a big differentiator there. So yeah. I'm anxious to see what the adjustments to this team from a system standpoint does. And I'm, I'm anxious to see overall how these guys respond, Yeah, how good they play. I I personally am on record several times saying that I don't believe what we saw last year is true from this defensive core. Mm-hmm. I believe what every other year has told me about these guys and that they're pretty damn good. And, and, and we talked about this a while ago. And it sounds
0: like kind of a, kind of a, 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 maybe not a weird thing to say, but like, is it, it, it's really beneficial to have Marco Scandella back there right now because it does kind of let the pairs kind of settle down a little bit, gives them a little bit more flexibility? Yes, no. Is, is that a.
1: Look, Marco Scandella was a heck of a player when you gave him a contract extension. Yeah. And, or you wouldn't have. Or you wouldn't have. He, he he lined up very nicely alongside Colton Pareko. Do I think he's a top-four defenseman in case of emergency? Yes. But otherwise, no. But do I think he can play every day in the NHL? Yeah. His only problem is he's had he, he's had a really tough time staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Last year, he comes back from a really big injury. He comes back, plays really well. He stabilizes quite a few things on defense for you. Then he gets injured again. Yeah. So Marco's biggest... Hurdle is going to be staying healthy this season, because if he's healthy and he plays the way he can, he's going to help this team. And how do you see the six? No per- boy, I don't know, Donnie. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be... I don't know. This yeah. is going to be... Uh, at the top four, for sure, are uh, Letty, Pareko, Krug, and Folk. Mm-hmm. That's it. After that, I have no idea what the combination will be yeah. between Scandela, Tucker, Bortuzzo, Perunovic. Perunovic. Oh, boy. I-, I don't know what that's going to look like. It's either... The world's greatest problem for a coaching staff or the world's biggest problem for a right. coaching staff? because And you say
0: world's biggest problem because you would be sitting somebody that you would not want to be
1: sitting. You have able players that are good that can help your team, but you can't play them.
0: Right. And, no, and, and it's not a time of the year in which they can be moved, really, or a deal or any well, of those if, kinds uh, of things.
1: If, but if everybody's playing good, why would you move them? Because that defensive depth is going to come in handy at some point or the other. Scandella and Bortuzzo on the last year of their deals. Tucker, I believe, is on a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Those three guys that right there that could potentially not be on your team next year. So you went from eight to five. So you better have some depth. Right.
0: Dude, it's so crazy how this all works out, too. And Tucker and Perunovic are on one-way deals, right? So they would have to pass through waivers, which they will not make it they through. They weren't
1: clear. That's the thing. is, People think that Tucker, you could sneak him through waivers. You're not going to. They're going to look at the age. They're going to look at the games played last year. They're going to look at the fact that the Blues, you know, highly regard this guy. And all the scouts have been at all the games from the moment he was called up. I mean, there's a slight chance he could clear right when training camp ends because there is just a barrage of players that get put through waivers. And that's how you sneak a guy through. But that being said, if you don't sneak him through, now what? Because... Really, you've wanted to rebuild your defensive core with guys like Tucker. Mm-hmm. Big, solid, mean, you know, like all, now you've lost another piece like that. Right. So I think that, I think Callie Rosen is going to be a waiver wire guy. Yep. He's Mr. Solid, but he's Mr. Seventh Defenseman. Yep. And at this point, he's Mr. Ninth Defenseman. hmm So you'll sneak him through waivers. 29. He's got a hefty two-way contract, which means people are going to want to pay him four hundred fifty grand to play in their minors.
0: Right, I
1: don't think so. So he, so he will be one of the guys that will kind of. You think that it could be? I believe if I was a general manager, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the one that I'm looking at. Going, okay, he's on a two way deal. Uh, He's 29. We know what he is. And if we need him, we'll call him up because yeah, yeah. we know the true professional that he is. Can, can I ask a question
0: about Callie Rosen? So, one of the things that you have said over the years to us, you know, when it comes to a certain player that might be like a fringish kind of guy, that you've got to find, you know, find the specialty and do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Does Callie, while being very solid, maybe not possess one particular skill that kind of makes his head stick a little higher than the other guys? Is that
1: kind of what it is? Yeah, so Callie's problem that he's run into is that this team requires a big, mean, tough defenseman. He's none of those. <laughs> I'm not being mean. No, no He's no. not. Like,
0: it's just funny how you said it. <laughs> and, yeah. And,
1: yeah, but yes, but he's I not. totally like, get he's a, he's a very good skating, puck-moving, power play option defenseman, great guy. I mean, just an unbelievable individual, but he's not going to go out there and cross-check somebody in front of the net and go out there and, and catch a guy coming through the middle with his head down. Like, Just not his game. It's not his game. So, yeah. But if this team had a lineup full of those types of guys, then you would need a Callie Rosen to offset that with some skill and some, some speed and the puck movement. He's just stuck in a spot to where, you know, it's not that they don't require that, but where does he fit in? You got Letty, Perunovic, Krug, Pareko, Falk. Those are all very skilled, able puck-moving defensemen. Yeah. Not to mention how Bortz has really improved his offensive game. Tucker is way, way better than you know he gets credit for. Scandella can do it too, but you have five guys that are that their job is skating and puck moving and creating offense, or they part of their job. Right. So you don't. Where does Callie Rosen fit? In? Sure, sure. You know, and that was the that was the trick for me at the end of my career is finding teams that needed me. Mm-hmm. Not me, the player, like not Jamie Rivers, but the style of play. Absolutely. And you know, you identify those teams and you get there. Like when I signed with the Red Wings. I've told this story before. I was offered a three year deal by Phoenix at the time. I thought this is fantastic. My agent calls me and says, Don't sign that. I'm like, what? That's three years, Bubba. Three years. In the desert. Of guaranteed money. I'm already buying the sunscreen, man. (laughs) And on a team that wasn't good. So I'm like, I'm going to play a lot. Okay. You know, like, this is great. It's a perfect situation. Get paid and play. Let's go, baby. Living in the sunshine. My agent talks me through things. And he goes, I have an offer of a one-year deal from the Detroit Red Wings. He says, I think you should sign that. Meanwhile, I think he's crazy. Like, I'm turning down three for one. Red wings are stacked. Well, I'm never even gonna play. Right, right. He goes, Hear me out. He goes, What's gonna happen in Phoenix is they're gonna be bad. You will play a lot, and then you will be disposable because they're gonna rebuild. They're gonna bring all their young guys in. All the young guys are gonna play and you won't play, or you'll be traded somewhere else where you you know, they don't really need you. Yeah. So, or you've turned and side with the Red Wings where you're not going to play right away. You're not. But the Red Wings don't reach out to anybody to sign them unless they have a vision of them playing for them and what capacity they could help the team. So he's like, them reaching out to, to me and offering a one-year deal means they they have a role for you. Mm-hmm. He goes, I'm telling you that you do your job there and that will create more for you. So I took his advice. I mean, this is why you have agents. Yeah. And that, my agent and I, Matt Cater, we have an incredible relationship a bond, a trust. Like, this guy is awesome. And I took his advice. I went to Detroit. I was a healthy scratch. I knew I was going to be the seventh defenseman. Two games into the season, Darian Hatcher blows out his knee. All of a sudden, I'm in the lineup. Yeah. Played 50 games that year for the Red Wings, end up plus 10, had a bunch of points, and... Set myself up. I get two-year contract extension, so three years total. So I got the three years anyway. Right. But I was in hockey town, playing for the Red Wings with some of the greatest players to ever play hockey in the NHL. Dude, that's so amazing. And my role was easy. I went there. Ken Holland was hilarious, the general manager. He comes and finds me. I'm in the weight room working out because I know what they need. Mm-hmm. They don't need Jamie Rivers to toe drag people out there. They need me to bust people's heads open, mm-hmm. and that was my job. So I'm in there getting my pump on, like, this can be a long season, because it's just me and Darren McCarty. That's it. Everybody else is, like, super talented. And Kenny comes and finds me, and he says, "Uh, hey, we're really happy you're here. Um, I just need you to be you. He's like, that's it. He goes, keep the flies off some of our superstars? And he's like, don't be fooled, though. He's like, I know how good you are. He goes, I remember watching you play in junior hockey and all that stuff. He goes, I know you can skate and pass and do all that stuff. He goes, that's why you're here, because the Red Wings don't bring in guys who can't play. Mm Mm-hmm. He goes now. Go do your job, but when you have the puck, make plays. And so I had this confidence, and I sat there and I was a clown in the locker room, make the guys laugh and like all this which, stuff,
0: which was probably another reason that they loved you.
1: Well, yeah, and all these superstars, you know, they're, they're, people are afraid sometimes to like chirp them, bust the balls as it yeah, were, and yeah. I, they're they're my biggest target. Like Steve Eisman sat right next to me in the room, and first day I was there i said something about his shoes oh he had these brown shoes that were awful and i said oh stevie i go how comfortable are those wooden shoes they're terrible shoes the room stopped and at for one half a second i thought to myself Uh-oh. oh boy maybe i shouldn't have done that he turns and he laughs so loud yeah he's like nobody's ever said that he goes now that i look at them." They're horrible, aren't they? <laughs> I'm like, I thought they were orthopedic shoes, to be honest. And so from that moment on, though, I yeah. just chirped the top dog. Yeah, man. And he rolled with it. So now it was game on. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody was safe in that locker room. Yeah. And it was great. And then they, they'd give it back. We I'd get invited out to dinners just because they wanted to have, like, the court jester out to dinner. I was like, okay, this is my job. But then when I got on the ice, I also knew my job. Yeah. Is... I was to provide physicality for that team and then move the puck. Yeah. I mean, you've heard the one story from Hully, my very first game there. <laughs> what? What? Wait, were you? T- tell me again, because I feel like I've heard it, but then I... <clears throat> so but... I got my first game in Detroit, real game, league game. I'm partnered up with Chris Chelios. Imagine that. I got Chris Chelios, a legend, as my partner. And uh, puck goes D to D in the neutral zone, so Chelios to me. I take a couple of hard strides up the ice. I get to the red line, and I... <laughs> Fire the puck in. Yeah, I I dump it in. I do remember this one. I get back to the bench, and I'm sitting on the bench. And Holly is like three people down, and he keeps leaning forward and staring at me down at the other end of the bench. I I see him. I don't know what the hell he's doing. I play with Holly here in St. Louis. I'm like, what does he want? (laughs) Right. And He leans forward again. Leans. I go, what? What's your problem? He's like, we don't dump the puck in Detroit. (laughs) I'm like, what? He goes, you're good. Skate, pass, get it in. (laughs) So I'm sitting there. Now I'm stewing. I'm like, screw you, Holly. Then Iserman is sitting right beside me. He goes, hey, Riv, honestly. He's like, I know that's probably the best play at that point. That's probably what you're told to do on on your other teams. But he's like, nobody's going to get that. (laughs) Right. He goes, unless you plan on going yourself and getting it. Right. He's like, we're not getting that. And so he goes, Holly's right. He's like, if you don't have an option, he's like, curl back. Go back to your partner. Wait for us. We'll get open. Yeah. Pat, like, he's you're good. You're a good player. He goes, that's all we need from you.
0: Yeah. And if you think about how great that team was at that time,
1: it makes all the sense in the world. It was the most fun I've ever had playing hockey. Yeah. We played hockey like soccer teams do. We never gave up the puck. it go D to D to forward to D to goalie to D to D to, D to forward. Keep teams away. wouldn't even touch it. Yeah. And then our system of the left wing lock, it was amazing. It gave me in the middle of the ice, I was like a free safety. I could go anywhere I wanted because my left winger had my guy. So I knew he was married to him. Like yeah. It was his job, follow him around. So anywhere the centerman went was my guy. So I remember like going from the neutral zone all the way, like the center would curl in the corner for a breakout in their end, and he'd get the puck and I'd blow him up, like below the hash marks in the corner. He's like, I remember one time a guy was like, what the hell are you doing down here? (laughs) But that's what it it allowed me to be that guy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Real quick here. And I, well, obviously we'll go back to the blues. No, 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 no. But just, it it, it had, we have not had the chance to talk about (laughs) the absolutely hilarious, hilarious Mike Babcock situation in
1: in Columbus. Donnie, people always get what they deserve. Dude. That's all I have to say.
0: Dude. There are so many things about this that I have question marks or questions Ask about. Me anything, I played for the guy for 2 years. Well, the first thing doesn't necessarily have to do with
1: him. It's how does Yarmo still have a gig there in Columbus? Well, Yarmo has a gig because he got duped. Okay, Yarmo is a really good guy. He's and a really solid hockey individual, which I have heard from legitimately anyone that talks yeah, about hockey so in Yeah. JD is a stand-up dude like a Foxhole guy, okay? The ownership in Columbus, to my knowledge, is fantastic as well. They needed to get a reputable coach in there that could straighten it out for them. Mm-hmm. Columbus has always kind of sort of been disrespected because if people think like nobody wants to be in Columbus, uh, even when they were good, they weren't type thing. Like, So I can see what the motivation was. Kind of an identity sort of person. You're bringing in a very winning coach <clears throat> with uh, multiple Stanley Cups to his name, and he's reformed. Like, mm-hmm. look at Jim Montgomery. Right. He, you know, he, different stuff, okay? Sure. But Jim Montgomery, we know he had to struggle with alcohol, cleaned himself up, the Blues gave him a chance, mm-hmm. and he took advantage of that, and now he coached Boston Bruins to being the most successful regular season team ever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So people look at these reclamation projects, and they go, hmm, what if? Like, if Mike Babcock, the hockey coach can just keep himself in line we could have a really good team mm-hmm. and we could st- we could set a culture here mm-hmm. what they didn't realize is that Mike Babcock has never been any different he's never his mo has been the same thing from day one yeah I remember like it was yesterday him coming down to a skate before the season even started we were in Detroit at Joe Lewis arena and then coming off the ice and he's standing in the locker room and he comes over to me and he's talking to me hey uh uh, how you doing, uh, oh, you're married, how's your family? That's his, that's his in for everything. That's his in. Mm-hmm. He tries to get his hooks into you, asking you about your family. Because you always kind of get vulnerable a little bit when you're talking about your kids and this and that. Sure. And he, after me describing everything, he says, uh, so are all of your kids in school? I said, no, I said, this year's the first year where my oldest is going to go to kindergarten here. You know, she's pretty excited and whatnot. He goes, well, he said, "Uh, I'd hold off on that because I don't know if you're making my team. So he says to me, Donnie, training camp hasn't started yet. Dude. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like blown away. I have two years on my deal. I just signed a two-year contract extension and this guy's telling me that I'm not on his team. Right. That's the mind games that he played.
0: Yeah. So he so he didn't change it all. He just changed how he was going to manipulate is essentially kind of what it was.
1: He didn't change the overall strategy. He just changed the map. Yeah. That's it. Because he was still getting to the where he wanted to go. He just took a different road. A hundred percent. It's unfortunate, man. I've seen it. Like guys on record, Chris Chelios, one of the most mentally tough guys ever, talking about how Babs got in his head. Yeah, And how he couldn't play the way he wanted to play. Johan Franz and his career ended. Because, you know, I, and I wasn't there at the end of it. I was already gone. But things happened. And, you know, I don't know exactly what happened, although I know a lot because players like to talk. Yeah. And they'll certainly open up to former players. He did the same thing with the family. He he, he got involved asking guys about their families. He asked a couple of the older guys if... Uh, He could show them pictures, and when they showed him pictures, he asked if he could hold the phone and then started scrolling through the pictures on his own. Now, the older guys didn't have anything on their phone that they were uncomfortable about, so it meant nothing to them that he was just scrolling through the phone. Right. But the younger guys, as you know, kids take stupid pictures of stupid things, not even anything vile or disgusting, just memes. There are some memes that are totally off-color that you shouldn't, you know, it happens. (laughs) And uh, he grabbed a young player's phone, and uh, before the player knew it, he had airdropped it to his TV. Oh, Christ. And now was scrolling through on the big 60, 70-inch TV of this kid's personal pictures. He flipped through the family ones and just kept going. Right. And the player asked him, well, what's going on? He says, i like to know what kind of players I have their true character and what they have in their phone tells me who they are. Now, this is I wasn't there. I wasn't right. I wasn't in the room. Right. Right. So all of this is just regurgitating what I have been told. But just it seems to, as though this story, to be it, clear,
0: in this line has been told exactly this way every time.
1: And I can tell you this that the fact that he no longer has a job means that there's truth to yeah. these stories. That's so crazy! I don't get it. I don't understand the strategy. I never did. I never did. So what a what a huge violation of these guys like <laughs> privacy. Well, can you imagine John Kiowski coming, grabbing your phone, air dropping it to the TV, and scrolling through all of your private stuff?
0: I mean it. It would get it. It would get rude because I I wouldn't give I it know. up, and but, I don't even have any
1: nudes on my phone. But, but still, just the general but idea. But there's an HR department here, right? Right. I don't know if there is in the NHL. Sure. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. So well, where do you go? And like these young players, it's a guy that completely can impact your life. Just like he did to me, the very first interaction with me, where he basically said, I could get rid of you at any point when I want to, or I can cut you, you feel helpless and powerless. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And
0: scared. Like I'm scared. Like scared. Yeah. Like, man, I'm trying to I'm just trying to make this work. I'm trying to stay in the league. I'm trying to keep my family happy. I'm trying to do all of these things. No. But it's crazy, though. But you know what, though? In saying that and turning it around, you do see how a guy like Craig Berube does succeed in the league because not only is he not down for the mind game crap, no. he, I mean, that to me just
1: is is completely out of what that dude would, would do. Well, he wouldn't do that. He knows better. Chief knows better. Chief's a stand-up guy. The role he played as a player for as long as he played, you don't do that role, and you don't get so many chances without being a highly – I mean, uh, thought of person. Right. His character is outstanding. And he's carried that over into the coaching world. And the players may not always like the way he coaches or what he says, but they know where he stands. Mm -hmm. And he would never put his player in a bad spot like that. He knows better because he's been in that spot. He's been the player. See, that's where Babs, like, he never got to fulfill his dream. He played university hockey in Canada. Big whoop. Right. Okay. So then now he's he almost carries around a chip on his shoulder, almost a jealousy thing of all the guys who get a chance to play in the NHL. There, there is a Dr. Phil or two episodes of him and Mike Babcock that would have to happen. There's a lot going on in that guy's head. But this is the end of the Babcock story at the NHL level. I would imagine. And here's the thing. I don't even wish any ill will on Mike Babcock. I really don't. You just don't want him in the NHL. I don't think he should be coaching in the NHL. I don't think he should be coaching anywhere for right. that matter. Because there's always going to be a power push at some point to where he picks on somebody or says something or does something to keep that edge over the player. I just don't think, you know what, he's made a ton of money. Go relax with your family. Is if family If family's really what you're all about, right. go be with your family. Right. Go. You know, don't bother anybody. Won't be his family. I don't wish him any. Well, I trust me. There's a long period of time in my life where I did not, yeah, think highly. of this it, was, it was an unhealthy dislike. Yeah, it was, and it, it's not anymore. You know, I'm at peace with it at this point. Um, but he needs to just kind of go do his thing. Dude,
0: it, it, that that story is just crazy. And from the moment that it broke, the moment that that spitting chicklets broke, that I was just
1: like, oh, he's he's toast. The he, moment they said it, I knew it was true. The moment they said it, I knew it was true. Even without talking to anyone else or knowing you just knew from prior experience that that is what that dude was doing. Yeah, and also I knew that Paul Bissonnette would never, he would never hot take it. He would never. He can be as crazy as you want him to be and off the wall and all this stuff. He's extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. And he would not sacrifice his career at TNT and at Spittin' Chiclets over a rumor. He wouldn't throw it out there just recklessly. Yeah. So the moment he said it, I knew it was true. I oh. was at that point. I was like, "Let's see what happens now," and it got wild for a bit, dude. Like, and then like those poor couple Columbus players that were interviewed about it, like, what oh gonna my, say? Oh my god! But again, Donnie, that's the the coach put them through that because, and maybe they weren't telling a story. Maybe they were telling the truth. Sure. That their interaction was just fine, and maybe that was the strategy. Have a couple of these interactions that are just normal, and then after that, no one will believe that I was so crazy with this other young kid. Who where the young? Where's the young kid going to run to? Right. You know, if I if he did it to Goodrow, and Boone Jenner, he knows he loses the room right away. So it, it's almost like a predatory type thing. It's just kind of weirds me out a little bit, dude. He and I and I'll tell you one thing: Babcock does not need to be coaching kids.
0: Like no, period. Like that just
1: does not need to happen. Now, like- on a side note. On a side note, Michael Babcock, his son, works with the Blues. He's on the coaching staff. And uh, I know that it's probably been difficult for him to hear and go through all of this stuff that's going on with his father. But I can tell you this right now, Michael Babcock is a great guy. He's doing great work out there with the Blues. He's awesome with the young guys. He's full of energy. He's exactly what Chief wanted for this staff. So, if nothing else, the the hockey side of his father rubbed off on him the right way. Well, that's
0: great. That's absolutely fantastic. I even we got so into that, and I got so crazy with Babcock. I forgot what I was going to say, but I did want to ask you this okay. about Vladimir Tarasenko. How do you envision him in Ottawa? <laughs> that is a a growing team in Ottawa, but Vladdy on that team almost seems like kind of a funny fit for a
1: team that's still yeah. growing. So how do you uh, see, that, see that going? I was caught off guard when they signed him. I thought it would never happen because he's kind of opposite of what they're trying to do. No disrespect to Vladimir Tarasenko at all, but, you know, we saw how it worked last year in a contract year. It was a lot about Vladdy, Not so much about team. Mm-hmm. But also, in fairness to Vladdy, maybe he learned from that. And maybe he picked Ottawa because they have a good, young, hardworking, up-and-coming team and he sees them as a way to have success. Mm -hmm. If the team does well and I'm here, there goes the narrative of me not being a team guy. Sure. Because Vladdy can be a team guy. A lot of moments in Blues history here where he played very hard for this franchise. So it's one way to look at it. I thought it was an odd fit at first, but you know what? Obviously they believe they have strong leadership there. Brady Kachuk is the captain. That is his team. That's his town. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you, the city of Ottawa is Brady Kachuk's. So if he doesn't like something or something needs to happen or something needs to change, it will. Did did wh- Is it true or do you know? Did, did Vladdy really have a three-year deal on the table from Carolina? I don't know that to be true. Okay. I don't know that to be false. I don't. It's out there from some pretty reputable people, so maybe he did. It's just very curious to me why okay, you can't get the three-year deal from Carolina, but wouldn't you maybe try to play that into a one-year deal there? What happened was I think time expired. Mm -hmm. So I think he got offered a three-year deal. Let's not forget that Vladdy fired his agent three days into free agency. That's right. I forgot that too. So what got lost there? Like how much was the former agent being contacted? How much was it true? Was it not true? What he was presenting to Vladdy? I don't know what the new agent was Like it got wild there, I'm sure, in the Tarasenko camp for a bit. Yeah, I don't know. If he's on his game, man, he will help that team. Yeah, 100%. And That team will be a playoff team. If Vladimir Tarasenko puts up 30-plus goals and has a 65-75-point to 75 point season, that team's in the playoffs.
0: And he will prepare him, propel himself into yeah. a two-three-year deal for next year. 100%. Jamie, we've had so many months of not having hockey, and now it's knocking on the door, and I'm so goddamn excited <laughs> about it, man. Well, you know what I'm excited about? I mean, on TV for
1: every single well, freaking game. Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah, I'm yeah. Kind of pumped up for that. Uh, it's gonna be fun to be back in the NHL.
0: Hold on, hold oh, on. Oh, before, before, before you answer that. What? Honest question. What? And I know that you have been, but what have you been doing to prepare for this? I, because I know, in the well, way that your mind works, that there has. There is something going into that even before the season starts. Well,
1: I'm in the gym every day, Donnie. I want to make sure I look really good. Sure, um, sure. You know, and make sure I get out in the sunshine, a little tan looks Got better it. on the camera. <laughs> uh, oh, you mean from a hockey standpoint? From, from a doing your job oh. standpoint, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been at every skate that, or almost every day of training camp and preseason so far, and I've dove, dove into a lot of video from mm-hmm. last year, uh, a lot of what it, what it did look like. And now what it does look like, comparing the side-by-side video, watching a lot of Jordan Bennington and just how screwed over he got by so many unsavable goals that were against him. And so when I see things written about Jordan Bennington and the numbers, well, the numbers don't lie. Okay, a backdoor tap-in. That's a goal. That's a shot on net, and that's something he cannot save. So his save percentage, his goal's against, take a beating on Mm -hmm. that one there. Yeah, And he probably loses the game. Well, dude, I just... Rem- the numbers don't lie. Okay. Man, I just remember a game versus Montreal. There's almost 30 of those goals that happen... Dude, then it's not him. You that's can... That's what I'm saying. So that's what I've been doing, preparing a, a lot of things, looking at last year's power play, looking at it now, see what it looks like, just so that when we hit the ground running for the first game in Dallas, I'm able to immediately describe the changes that have happened.
0: Yeah. I saw uh, J.K. yesterday. I saw John Kelly and... Um, I it took John and I like almost a full season to, I think, kind of get each other when we were doing our call-ins. Because I think at first John was like, who in the hell is this guy and why do I have to do this? But we have developed a really rad relationship. And I love it when I see JK because he looks right at me, gives me the smile. Donnie? How are you, sir? He's great. Dude, he's just so great. But also he's on great. top of it, let's really not get lost in the fact that that man is a Hall of Famer at what he does. Oh, absolutely. Dude,
1: I mean, he's so freaking good at calling that game. He made it very easy for me to come out of the bullpen. And the last couple of years, you know, doing games just sporadically. It's not easy to I do I cannot that. imagine that like, it is. To not do a game for a month and a half and then be thrown into it again... And, you know, now you're between the benches. I can't even see my partner. So I don't even know if he's going to pause or anything. John Kelly made it easy, man. We talked. He, he, I got to know his cadence of when he likes to stop, mm-hmm. and, like wait for information. But he doesn't stop for long. If he pauses and you don't start talking, he keeps going. He's going to go. Yeah. He's great. He's a lot of fun to be around every day. I'm really looking forward to being his partner.
0: And so, all right, so then first game is Thursday. Yeah. So when are you out? Wednesday.
1: Wednesday. Fly to Dallas. On, I'm back in the NHL, Donnie, except the, I, I, none of the goals are my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably don't get a rad per diem like you did as a player, too. I don't know. I haven't even found out about that. Nah, you would've. But I do get to ride on chartered flights and stay in five-star hotels. Dude. that are not costing me anything
0: (laughs) that is so (laughs) unbelievably unbelievably badass but also too it just man it just makes me excited it makes me excited to know that you and john are going to be on the call you know what i mean like dude that's so rad and then also to just hockey starting and all of these sorts of things i'm just really dude it's a
1: fall day it feels like a hockey day Well, what's exciting, too, is we're going to be bringing more content to our listeners. Donnie and I uh, are crawling out of the ice age, and uh, we've talked to technicians here at the station. We're getting our laptops set up. We got external mics. We're going to start podcasting from home and doing video so you can see how crazy we both are.
0: So it has been reported to me in the last 24 hours that I will be getting a new laptop, Mm -hmm. new one. I've had the same laptop for five years. There are cracks in the screen. Yeah. But I think I'm getting a new one. That's going to help this a lot. Yeah. Because when it takes me 15 minutes to fire up the computer at night, it doesn't have me super interested to be doing anything else.
1: You know what I mean? No. We'll be bringing, you know, it might be 10, 15, 20 minute podcasts here and there, reaction to a game. Who knows what's going on? We get a hair up our butt and we decide to fire up the old laptop and get after it. But we're going to be bringing you more content and uh, having a lot of fun with it. Dude,
0: as I just, I can't wait for this to get started. I can't wait for you to get, I just want to see this team in action. I'm just ready for it all. <laughs> and you know, like somebody, somebody got on me a, on Twitter a little bit. Not too bad, but just like, hey man, I just am not as optimistic about this year as you guys are, blah, 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 blah. And I understand that. And I think that if you have reasons for concern, I I get it. I, I, I do, I get it. But I don't know. I just – maybe it's just blues hockey being back in general has me glass half-fulling it. But I see no reason that this isn't a playoff team. I really don't. I agree.
1: I I agree. And if they don't – It's up to them. And if it's not, like you've said before, this team is going to look drastically freaking different next year. Army will just continue with the retool. So if it's not, guys that are unrestricted will be moved at the deadline, and he'll continue to move the ball forward.
0: I love hockey so much. <laughs> God dang it. I cannot wait. All right.
1: So, listen, for another
0: uh, episode of the podcast, if you want to send us an email, uh, LMBP uh, at 1057thepoint.com, Last Minute Blues Podcast at 1057thepoint.com. For Jeff, for Alex, for Jamie, for myself, Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.